Hello, friends. This is Pastor Bob Sens from the Church at Bear Lake. We're a small rural church in northwest Pennsylvania that has a heart for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, both in our community and abroad. This message is the ministry of the Church at Bear Lake. I hope it's a blessing to you, and we'd love to have you attend our Sunday morning service at 11 a.m. or to attend one of our life group meetings that meet at 6.30 p.m. in various locations. For more information, please check out the church website at www.thechurchatbearlake.com. I hope this message is a help to you and that God uses it in your life. So, I think we're down to seven Fridays till Christmas, I think it is. So, there's like seven Fridays till Christmas. If you get paid every week, that means seven paydays to save up money. Remember, we don't want to go into debt for anything. So, if you're uh, working towards Christmas gifts, you've got a little bit of time, but it's fast coming. You know, Christmas is near, and for a lot of folks, Christmas means what? Gifts. Right? I mean, what did you say? Far away. Well, you know, there's a lot of folks who are planning their Christmas gifts. and they. I, I know a lady who literally goes out the day after Christmas and shops and makes sure that she buys all of next year's Christmas gifts. Now, you might say that's crazy. It's probably a good idea. I'm not sure that we're as well planned out as that, but it probably is a good idea. You know, uh, Christmas gifts are are fun to give. We like getting them. And man's gifts are good, uh, but, you know, God's gifts are better. Now, I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine that your husband or your wife or your mother or your father, somebody who is significant in your life, gets you a, gift, a Christmas gift. So here's what they do. They buy you a brand new car. And uh, so they buy this brand new car for you. And they park it in the garage, and it's Christmas morning, and you have this gift of a new car, and then that new car, for the next six months, you don't drive it. It sits in the garage. Well, let's imagine that you're saying, that's not the Christmases I know. That's not the Christmases I know either, because usually if there's something like that, I mean, it would be like, hey, look. Dear wife, I've got you a new car. She'd be like out in it, you know, starting it up, you know, turning the radio up, checking it out, maybe going for a ride after the rest of the... I mean, you'd use that Christmas gift. What if it was a gift of an iPad? Can you imagine a new iPad and then it just stays sitting in the box? And it sits in the box all day long. The, 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 the uh, wrapping paper comes off of it, you know. But it sits in there and you think, huh, this is sort of strange. Then the uh, Christmas tree comes down. It's still in the box. You go put it on the shelf. Now, most of you are saying, hey, if I had an iPad, I'd be open. You know, I'd probably be filming, you know, Christmas movies and stuff on it, making memories, taking pictures, you know, chatting to my uh, mother in Alaska or whatever it is. But imagine that. you got some guys here in the auditorium are probably saying, I don't care about no car. I don't care about no iPad. All right, let me break it down on your level. Imagine. You get a new deer rifle, huh? Is that not, oh, yeah, now we got some people understanding this. So imagine you get a new deer rifle, and it's in this box, because they come in these boxes, and, you know, it, it, it's there, it's under the Christmas tree. You're like, you know, uh, there's, it's just big and wrapped. And you're like, what's that? And you open it up, and, hey, it's this deer rifle. And you say, oh, okay, and you left it sit in the box. And deer season comes and goes, and next deer season comes and goes, it's still sitting in the box. That deer rifle is not going to do you very good, is it? 
You know, imagine someone saying, oh yeah, I bought you a great Christmas gift, but I forgot to tell you. That'd be sort of weird too. So imagine Christmas Day comes and it's that car, it's that iPad, it's that, it's that deer rifle, and Christmas Day comes and Christmas Day goes, and you know, deer season comes and deer season goes, and four more versions of the iPad go in the next three months, because it's about how fast it seems like they come out with a new version of the iPad, and and uh, that new car, you know, you're you have a need for a new car because your old one broke down. And then all of a sudden somebody says, hey, by the way, you know I bought you a gift. Oh, you did? Yeah, I got you a new car. I got you an iPad. I got you a deer rifle. Whatever it is, you'd probably be a little upset if they bought you something and you didn't know you had it, didn't know anything about it. Maybe some people say, hey, I wouldn't mind having an iPad. I don't really understand it. You know, gifts... When they're given to us, they can be useless if we don't use them, if we don't understand them. Can you imagine getting an iPad, you know, and you don't even know how to use a push-button phone? You know, somebody hands you a, a phone with push-buttons, you try to dial it like this, you go, wait, where's the little rotary thing? I don't understand. You know? Yeah. I mean, imagine that. That'd be like Russ getting an iPad, right? I mean... <laughs> But if you don't understand your gift, you don't know you have your gift, or you don't use your gift, the gift is really sort of useless. And you know, that's how spiritual gifts are in the church today. A lot of people don't understand them, they don't know they have them, or they just don't use them. And because of that, you know, we can sit and sort of make fun in in this idea of, hey, Christmas morning, waking up that way. But because of that, we have a need, we have want. Your car breaks down, you have a new car sitting in the garage, if you don't know how to drive it, it doesn't matter. If you know your computer breaks down, you don't have access to email, then you know they send you the winning lottery numbers through the email and you miss it. Missed out on the lottery. Or or you know the uh deer rifle. Deer, you know, you're getting sort of hungry, you wouldn't mind having some, some venison. Deer season comes and goes because you don't have a rifle, you can't afford it. Somebody bought it for you and it's sitting in a box somewhere. You know? I want to talk today about these great gifts. And I want to talk about spiritual gifts. So let me just lay out sort of the course that we're going to travel in the next couple of weeks. Because there's really a couple of points, big points that I want to be able to make over the next few weeks to get the big picture. So there's five things that I want you to know. And this isn't really the message. I just want you to know this. By the time this series is done, I want you to know these five things. I want you to know, first of all, that spiritual gifts exist. Hey, guess what? You got a present. You got a gift. The uh, second thing is they're given to us by the Holy Spirit. I need you to know where they come from. And by the time this is all said and done, we won't touch all of this today, but you'll have a little bit of a, a, a founding of knowledge for this. The third thing is they are to be exercised to benefit the body of Christ. And the fourth thing is what are they? And the fifth thing are what are mine specifically and how can I use them? So if we go through this series and the next few weeks we come to the end and those five questions are able to be answered, you're going to be uh, excited because you have a gift, you know what it is, you know where it is, you know how to use it, and it becomes valuable to you. So as we uh, get into the Bible today, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. And we're going to focus sort of on this first point, that spiritual gifts exist. We'll touch a lot of this, just sort of you know, skimming the top. We're just going to touch the surface today, and then the next couple of weeks we'll dig into it a little bit more, and we'll actually explain uh, what some of these things are. 
So uh, as we look in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1 through 11, it begins this way. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brother, I don't want you to be uninformed. The King James Version is a better word here. Concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to not know about spiritual gifts. So Paul is writing and he's saying, hey, there's these things called spiritual gifts and I don't want you to be uninformed. Verse 2 says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols. Two mute idols. Uh, that's uh, dumb idols in, uh, in your King James Version. Uh, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. Did you catch that? There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 5 says there's a variety of service, but the same Lord. Verse 6, and there are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, all these things, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. So as we look at this and get into this uh, chapter and verse here, the main goal that we want to walk away with today is understanding that spiritual gifts exist. And many Christians are ignorant of spiritual gifts. Some were ignorant of the existence of them. Maybe you've been saved and you're not really sure what a spiritual gift is. You've heard of it. You're not really sure. You don't understand what it is. Some are ignorant of how to use them. Maybe you've heard of some of these spiritual gifts. And this is not an exhaustive list. As we go through these, we'll actually get into different scriptures uh, through the next couple of weeks that will show you and identify what spiritual gifts there are. And as we uh, look at them, and, and we may see some that we weren't aware of, or we may have uh, known that God had called us to something, but we didn't really understand that he had gifted us in the way that he has. So some people are ignorant of how to use them. And Paul says this, uh, and, and uh, I agree with him. He said, I'd have you not be ignorant of them. I don't want you to be ignorant of them. So the first thing that we're going to say, and the question we're going to ask is, what is a spiritual gift? And this is sort of a, a, uh, a definition here that I'll, I'll throw out to you that if you want to write down, you can. It's a, it's a probably 20 word long definition. A spiritual gift is an expression of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers which empowers them to serve the body of Christ. And then in parentheses, the body of Christ, you could say the church. So a spiritual gift is an expression of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers which empowers them to serve the body of Christ. Again, in parentheses, you could put the church. So, as I say that, a spiritual gift being an expression of the Holy Spirit in your life, this you need to know uh, when I tell you what it is, you need to tell, I need to tell you what it's not so you can really uh, understand. Uh, it is not a talent or a skill. 
So spiritual gift is not a talent or a skill. So you might ask, well, how is that different from a talent, talent or skill? I'm glad that you asked that, by the way. Uh, spiritual gifts are not talents. Talents are gifts, though. Okay, so let me take a step back and say that everything, and we've built this foundation throughout the, the weeks and preaching and teaching that we've gone through, we know, and last week we learned about, there's this thing called sovereignty, right? God is sovereign. Everything that we have originated from God. Everything that we have belongs to God. He owns it. He gives us stewardship of it, but He owns it. So that's that idea of sovereignty. Well, it's the same thing with talent and skill. Those things are gifted to us for our stewardship from God. Uh, talents and gifts, uh, are, talents are gifts, but they are hereditary gifts. Everyone has talents. Spiritual gifts only come at the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And somebody said it this way, which was a way that I thought was uh, explained it and summed it up pretty well. Perhaps we could say that natural abilities are either talents or skills that have been learned through uh, conditioning from the environment we lived in or training we've received. So, you know, your natural abilities, those come from your talent or skills that you have developed because of the environment you were raised in, the training you may have received. Those are different than a spiritual gift. Both believers and unbelievers have natural abilities. So when you look at the football field, you'll see somebody who might be a Tim Tebow, who believes in Jesus Christ, and he can throw a football. And then you might see somebody who's a Michael Vick and his history of dog abuse and not being very, you know, uh, upright fellow. And I don't know his spiritual, but he might be lost. And maybe you have somebody who's born again, somebody who's lost. They both can throw the football. And they both can throw the football because of the training they receive, because of the skills that God has given them, the talent that God has given them. A lost person and a Christian can both have t uh, talent and they can... Uh, hone those skills, but but only a born-again Christian has spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, however, are an empowerment of divine origin, not a result of genetics, training, or conditioning. Only believers have spiritual gifts. Now, I can probably help explain this to you a little bit better, is there are these things that are called a general blessing uh, in the Bible. And uh, if you uh, ever want to look it up, Matthew 5.45, Jesus is talking. And he says that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he makes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and unjust. You are, it's not a special blessing that you get when you receive rain. Evil people receive rain too. If you're a farmer and your farm field is uh, right here, and right next to it is a lost person's farm, uh, lost farmer's field. And uh, you both are in a drought situation. You're praying for rain. Typically, when God sends the rain, He doesn't send it just on your land. He sends it across the land. So there's a general blessing that God gives to this world, and that general blessing is uh, things like rain. It's like sunshine. Uh, those things we can live in this world right next to people. And they can experience God's blessing as well as we can, these general blessings. But God's special blessing is upon His people. And spiritual gifts are just that. They're a gift because we are now alive in spirit where we were once dead in spirit. And uh, it's a special blessing that God gives us. Now here's something that you need to know about spiritual gifts also. So they exist, 
they are only for believers. And uh, thirdly, is that they must be developed. They must be developed. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, For this reason I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, uh, this will be something that we'll cover in the next couple weeks, how the Holy Spirit spread initially versus how the Holy Spirit acts now. And there was a slight difference between the beginning and now, and we'll explain that and talk a little bit more about that uh, next week when we uh, get into the idea of uh, that all gifts are given to us from the Holy Spirit. Uh, but as Paul is talking to Timothy, he says, I'm reminding you, reminding you to flame, uh, to fan the flame that is the gift of God. So uh, the Holy Spirit has given you this gift, Timothy, but you have to fan the flame. And you know, so these gifts that we get from God, they need to be exercised, they need to be developed, because not everyone is going to walk in, and it's just like uh, even a, a natural talent or skill that you have, nobody walks in and they're the best in anything they do the first time they do it. And you've heard the old saying, practice makes perfect, right? Well, your spiritual gifts will become, uh, you'll become better at them, and you'll be able to, uh, you know, do them more efficiently and, and to achieve greater things with them the more that you exercise them. And, uh, so when we, uh, look at these and we understand what spiritual gifts are and that they exist, we, ha- we have to know that, uh, your spiritual gift, you might be gifted in a great way with, uh, administration. Maybe God, and we'll talk about the types of, of gifts here in just a moment. But uh, maybe God has gifted you in just a great way with administration. You are uh, have a lot of things that you can help in in the, this gift of administration, and you maybe have exercised some of that since you've been born again and saved a little bit. But God has some great things for you to do in the church in ministry, and you're typically not going to walk in and be the best that you are going to be or could be at that. So as you grow, as you fan that flame, as you use it, it's going to grow. So when we look at this, know that. Know that there's uh, a lot of uh, different spiritual gifts. Uh, know that the spiritual gift is for the believer. Uh, know that uh, it has to be developed. And also know this, spiritual gifts are not spiritual fruit. So you may have read about spiritual fruit in the Bible. Spiritual gifts and spiritual fruit are different things. Uh, fruit is the result of exercising spiritual gifts and being obedient to God. It's a result of what we do in His power. So you will bear spiritual fruit, but that is not the same as spiritual gifts. So spiritual gifts exist uh, as a talent, or not a talent, but in a, a gift that's given to you that's innate. God has given it to you. He has placed it when you were born again. He has placed it uh, into your uh, being. Uh, results from exercising those become spiritual fruit. So uh, as we, you know, we won't talk too much about spiritual fruits now, but as we look at uh, the spiritual uh, gifts and we start to identify those, you'll see that these are different than spiritual fruit. So uh, keep that in mind when we're looking and, and trying to identify what these spiritual gifts are. Uh, also, uh, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit at salvation, it's part of our birthright that we receive spiritual gifts. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you change. Look what verse 3 says. Verse 3 says, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is a curse. And no one could say, Jesus is Lord, 
except by the Holy Spirit. Now, when we become born again, when we repent of our sins, we put our faith in Christ and His finished goods, uh, finished work on the cross, not finished goods, but His finished uh, work on the cross, when we put our faith in Him and we are uh, born again, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit at that moment. And when we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, we could not recognize uh, that Jesus is Lord unless we had the Spirit dwelling in us. We also, likewise, should not be able to say Jesus is accursed. When the Holy Spirit comes into us, we are changed. The Holy Spirit reveals truth and should be changing our thought process and our mind. You know, when people... I can never understand, personally, when somebody who's a born-again Christian says things like uh, when, when uh, they take God's name and they use it to damn people. I can't understand that. Because when I think about, uh, in my own life, what I'm saying is, when I say, uh, if I would say, God damn that, you know, whatever it is, then I am, I mean, we think of it just as a simple curse, but really what we're saying is, God, we want you to not have any grace toward that person or that that situation. We want you to to damn that, allow that to head to hell, don't intercede because it's already on that course. And to me, that's not something that I would want to say to anyone, even my worst enemy. I also can't understand how people will use Jesus Christ as a curse because whenever I hear the word Jesus Christ, that's my Savior. So when I hear, oh, Jesus Christ, and I hear somebody say that, to me, that does not... That is not something that the Holy Spirit would say. And when we are born again and the Holy Spirit dwells in us, as this verse is telling us, that we can't say Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So if we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, which is a permanent thing, by the way, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and we'll talk more about that next week, then we should not be able to say things like that. Now, I'm not t- telling you that, you know, if uh, you've said that, that you're not born again or anything like that. But I am saying that that should smite your heart when you say something like that. Because that is not something that should happen. And when we're looking at this, this idea is that, hey, it says, you know um, that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one in speaking the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is cursed. And no one says Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. One is when you're empty. The other is when you're full. The Holy Spirit should make a difference in our life. That is what this uh, verse is telling us. And the Holy Spirit, because He should make that difference in His life, in our life, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we receive spiritual gifts. And that's sort of the platform that's given here. And verse 4 says, now there are a variety of gifts. So you notice it jumps right into that. But when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it should be difficult for us to have this dual life. In fact, we've, we spoke about this before when we read in the Bible, and it talks about, you know, if there was a fountain that was spewing salt water and fresh water. Oh, well, really, what's it spewing if it's doing that? It's spewing salt water. It's not both. And how that our lives and our mouths shouldn't be like that. And, you know, uh, when we look at this, we need to understand spiritual gifts exist. There's a lot of people who are ignorant of them. And as you begin to understand the Holy Spirit and who He is, and that He has indwelled us, and He's given us these gifts, it should make a difference in our life. 
And as he says in verse 4, there are a lot of spiritual gifts. There are a lot of spiritual gifts. Most of these are active today. Some are not. You're saying which ones? We'll talk about those when we go through and identify the spiritual gifts. I'm going to give you a list of spiritual gifts right now. Uh, and then from that list, a couple weeks from now, we'll get in and we'll explain what each of those are and uh, what how those are, are can be used in the church today and how those can be used in your life. Uh, so I'm just going to give you this list and uh, something for you to think about. There's a lot of different spiritual gifts. In fact, he says there's a variety of them, but they all come from the same spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. There's leadership. There's administration. There's teaching. There's knowledge. There's wisdom. There's prophecy. There's discernment. There's exhortation. There's shepherding. There's faith. There's evangelism. There's apostleship. There's service slash helps. There's mercy. There's giving. There's hospitality. And there's tongues. And as we look at those spiritual gifts uh, for the next couple of weeks, we'll try to understand them, try to understand uh, how they can be used, and uh, we'll eventually try to identify them in our own life. So it is a, I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts as we look and understand that they exist and try to understand a, a basis for them, sort of our launching pad here, and you know that there's a whole bunch of different ones. You also need to know that... Uh, there is a gift mix. That's like an uh, interesting word. There is a gift mix that many people have. You can have multiple gifts given at different proportions. So these uh, sometimes some people have one single spiritual gift. That's the thing that God has given them, and that's the thing that they excel at, and they are gifted in order to uh, reach the uh, church and ministry, uh, minister to those around them. Uh, and, and build up the church, they have a single gift. Now, I knew uh, a lady who had a gift of service and helps, and that was her sole gift. Her sole gift was service and helps, which she exercised greatly. She would come in and take care of things and do things that other people just didn't have a concern about and probably didn't even think about. Every week she would do that. Some of it was in the form of cleaning. Some of it was in the form of being prepared. Some of it was in the form of making sure that there was water at the pulpit so that when there was a special speaker, he could reach down and get something to drink. Things that people don't think about, she thought about. And that was her spiritual gift. She wasn't uh, uh, very knowledgeable you know, in, in the Bible. I mean, she studied the Bible. She came to church. She learned. But she was not powerfully knowledgeable in the Bible. She wasn't, uh, you know, she wasn't gifted with evangelism. You know, she she wasn't the bold uh, person who went out there and and was uh, boldly proclaiming the name of Christ everywhere that they went uh, because it was natural to her. Uh, she was not uh, administratively uh, very capable. She wasn't good at organizing stuff. She was good at serving and getting things done and seeing where there was need and meeting those needs. So you could be, uh, just in one area, have a spiritual gift, or you could have a, a, a gift mix, which might mean that there's four or five things that you have that you are spiritually gifted in, and it might be at different levels. So you're extremely gifted in giving. God has given you a generous heart. He's given you the means, and you're extremely gifted in giving. Maybe you're not as gifted in prophecy, and prophecy basically is simply this. It's not telling the future, so don't misunderstand that. 
when you see prophecy in the Bible, it is preaching the gospel. That is what prophecy is. So maybe you're uh, preaching the gospel. You're a little bit uh, less capable of that, but it's still a gift. It's, it's something that you can do. You're not the most capable person, but you can definitely stand in when it's needed and get the job done. And so uh, this idea that there's multiple gifts that you can have and there's multiple uh, levels that you can have them at, and knowing that every single person who's born again has at least one spiritual gift, which is amazing, that means that everyone who proclaims the name of Christ in this room has a gift straight from heaven that has been given to you to accomplish your purpose on this earth. That's amazing when you think about it. Because God has given us a gift in order to get done what he has for us to do. That means everyone in this room has that. So, as you understand and begin to put together in your mind the idea that these spiritual gifts exist and and what they are and and who has them and where you get them from, the Holy Spirit, and and what they are, uh, you need to know this also. Being gifted or not doesn't preclude you from serving in areas that we're commanded to serve. So, I'll give you this example. Um, 2 Timothy 4.5 2 Timothy 4.5 says this, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Timothy was not gifted in evangelism. In fact, Timothy had other gifts that Paul spoke about, but evangelism wasn't one of them. But he says, do the work of an evangelist. The work of an evangelist is somebody who's proclaiming the gospel to see others saved. That is a job for everyone. How do I know that? It tells us in Mark. Go ye into all the world and what? Preach the gospel to who? Every creature. It's a command. And if you remember, I taught you some of that old English. When it says ye, we'll convert it to the hillbilly modern English. That means y'all. That means everyone in the room. Go ye all into the world. Everyone in the room, go into the world, preach the gospel. Now, some people are gifted at this. Spiritually, they are gifted. And when they do it, people listen and people respond in ways maybe that you don't. That does not mean that we do not have to. Uh, preacher, I'm, I'm not spiritually gifted in evangelism, so I'm not sharing the gospel with anyone. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says that, hey, that's the command that we're supposed to do, but God has gifted people in different things. It's like giving. God has commanded us that we're supposed to give. And that doesn't mean some people are gifted in giving, which is easy for them. They receive great joy from it. Uh, everything that they do, they try to see how they can give and how they can meet a need. And uh, those people have a great gifting at it. Maybe for you, it's, I know i got to do it, so I'll do it. Or, I love God, and that's why I want to do it, but it's still hard to write that check every week. And you know, Being gifted in giving or not gifted in giving doesn't preclude you from giving, but being gifted and having that gift of giving allows you a multitude of ways to give. So uh, when you look at this, and you might have this gift mix, you have to understand also, there's a phrase in the Bible that uh, sometimes gets misquoted for political reasons, but is definitely appropriate for us today. To whom much is given, much is required. 
you know, if God has gifted you greatly and given you multiple gifts to be exercising for His glory for the building of the church, why aren't you doing it? Is it because you didn't know that you had the gifts? Is it because you're not sure what they are? Is it because you don't know how to use them? That's why we can't be ignorant of it. That's why as we look at these great gifts and we get into it, I mean, this is awesome. There are great gifts that God has given us. And you might have an inkling and you might say, hey, in my mind, I know that God has blessed me in this way and gifted me in this way. Or maybe you say, I think it might be towards, you know, as I read through that list, maybe there was something in there. You said, hospitality. Man, God has gifted me with hospitality. He is, he is just, I want people, I want to make dinner for people and, you know, be kind to them and invite them over. And Did you know that's a gift? Did you know that that is a gift? Hospitality is a gift. To helping somebody and giving them comfort is a gift. That's pretty amazing. Because you might throughout your whole, you might be saying, well, I can't really preach. I can't really teach Sunday school. That's, I, I don't know what to do at church. You know, hey, guess what? Once we're done with this and you have an idea, there's an amazing range of gifts that God has given that you have the gift. You're going to know about it. You're going to know how to use it. Now it's a matter of putting it into practice. So I expect that probably in the next five to six months, seven months, that we're going to have a, a, a breaking forth of ministries where you guys are the ones who are saying, yeah, we need to do this, and I'm, I'm, I'm good at this. I'm good at baking bread and giving it to somebody with some homemade jam. And so anytime someone visits, I'm going to do that, preacher. Just so you know, I'm going to go take them bread and give them jam because I like doing it. It fills a, a spot in me. It builds the church. I mean, that's awesome. There's a lot of good uh, gifts that God has given us, these great gifts that God has given us, that we don't exercise. And you may not have even known them. I mean, maybe uh, you didn't know that there was a gift called mercy. You have a gift of mercy. You're able to look at somebody when everyone else says, is, is, you know, somebody who's been a rotten scoundrel and they finally fall on their face and everyone else walks by and spits on them and kicks them. And you say, don't do that. You don't understand. And maybe you have that gift of mercy. And you're able to share that and build the church through it when everyone else is going by kicking somebody when they're down and spitting on them. And you've got a gift of mercy. I mean, there's some great gifts here. It's amazing to me. Some people always want this gift or that gift, and they disregard the ones that they're actually gifted in and hope for others. You know, we're given different gifts for, fulfill, for fulfilling the purpose of the body of Christ. That's what you need to understand about these gifts. When we look at these gifts and we hear about them the next couple of weeks and we uh, learn, you know, uh, maybe some things we didn't know, we learn about hospitality and giving and mercy and, and some of those things, and we learn about those being as gifts, we need to know that gifts are never for our glory. Just because you're gifted in something doesn't mean it's for your glory. Most gifted man I know, in fact, it's, I only tell you this because uh, there's a story about this church giving that I can't tell you. So the church that I was in previously, that no one over there knows you and you don't know them, and I can tell you, I can share uh, to God's glory some of the most gracious people that I knew and some of the most giving people I knew, no one ever knew that they were that way. That's how you know that you have a gift from God, is when you do it, that He gets the glory from it. If it's because you're seeking glory from it, that's probably not a gift from God. 
it's probably, if you're seeking glory from it or you're seeking some sort of fulfillment from it, it's probably something that you like to do, you enjoy. Maybe you're physically, naturally, skillfully trained to do something like that. But it might not be a gift. That doesn't preclude you from service. That doesn't preclude you from serving in a capacity where we can use talent, we can use skill. A talent or a skill, like putting on a roof, is going to be used. That's not a gift. A talent or a skill at administration, something you've learned how to administer, you've learned some some techniques for doing it, those are going to be good things that are going to be useful and be helpful to be used or to uh, in this church to build the church. But a gift is going to be something that we do, and we don't seek glory. We give glory to God. No gift is better than another. As we get into this, if you start envying gifts, you're going to be rotten people. No, actually what you're going to do is you're going to fall into the trap that the first century church did. They envied gifts. There was a gift that they envied that everyone wanted. It was called tongues. Everyone wanted to speak tongues. Hey, you can speak tongues, I can speak tongues. You think you can speak tongues good? I can speak it better than you. And the next thing you know, church was a mess. There was chaos, there was craziness in the church. Everyone standing up speaking these tongues. And no one was interpreting. And there's people standing up receiving glory in the church because everyone's like, wow, that's amazing. They're speaking with tongues of men and tongues of angels. And God didn't get the glory from that. No gift is better than another. Don't envy other people's gifts. Exercise yours with love. Because it doesn't matter how good the gift is, in your mind. It doesn't matter uh, how good they are at exercising their gift. You know what matters in God's eyes? We find it in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. It says, If I speak in the tongue of men and angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic power, that's that preaching power. And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. I can get into the Bible and I can dig things out no one's ever seen. And I have knowledge because God has gifted me in that way. And I have all faith so as to remove mountains. I can go out and say, hey, mountain, move over here, from here to here. And it does it. But have not love. I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I'm gifted in giving and I give away everything that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, what's it say? I gain nothing. I gain nothing. No gift is better than another. When you're going through these gifts, you say, boy, I really wish, you know, this isn't like uh, trading cards. You can't pull them out of your pocket and say, hey, I will trade you the gift of mercy for the gift of preaching. Or, I'll trade you the gift of uh, giving for the gift. We can't trade gifts. God has given them to us. They are ours. They are a gift that He has given so that we could build the church. And I can guarantee you that no matter what little, lowly, measly, measly little gift that you may think that you have now, that if you are filled with love and use it for God's glory, it has the power to change the world. Here's a guy who looked like he was changing the world, moving mountains and giving everything. But if he didn't do it with love, he gained nothing. Love is greater than any gift. Because although you can exercise a gift without love, it becomes of no use to you. 
You know, God has given us this gift, and he's given us this desire to have this filled and be able to use this gift and exercise it. And if you're not doing that, maybe because you didn't know about it, maybe you didn't know these great gifts existed, I'm telling you what, you're living a partial Christian life. You're living a Christian life that maybe just is sort of, uh, it has the doldrums, it's ho-hum, you know, it's, I'm not really sure about all this. I feel like there's some things that I need to do, but I don't know how to do them. Spiritual gifts come from the Holy Spirit. We'll learn more about that next week. But I need you to look at verse 7 with me real quick. It says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So everyone gets a gift. What for? The common good of the body of Christ. Everyone gets a gift. For that common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the works of the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The Holy Spirit is God, and he distributes those to us as he will. We can't look around jealously at somebody else's gifts, because you know what? God has looked at us, the God who created us, the God who knows our heart, the God who looks down into our soul, knows who we are, knows the sin that we've done, knows looking at us what we can do and the potential that we have, and he says, I've got a perfect gift for you. And he gives it to us. And for us to deny that gift is saying to God, God, I don't believe what you told me. I don't care what you said. I want to do what I want to do. And if we approach our spiritual gifts in that manner, we are disregarding the Holy Spirit and and the fact that He is God. You know, people trying to serve in ministries who aren't saved will struggle because they won't have the tools that are given and driven by love. You know, we, there's, there's people in church, there's probably people in this church who aren't born-again Christians. Now, I don't know, and I don't, ha- I don't even have a sign in my head who I think, oh, that person is or that person isn't. But I'm just going by the fact that there's some people who will sit through a, a you know, church their whole life and never be changed by the transforming power of Christ. They'll know about it, and they'll, ne- and they'll try to serve, and they'll be frustrated because of it. You know, you don't want to be frustrated in ministry. Minister in the strength of your gift through the love of Christ. Because then, great things happen. Things that don't make sense when people look at it from outside. When somebody looks at the church at Bear Lake and says, why are there people gathering in Bear Lake? You know, Bear Lake's dead. It won't make sense to them. But when the Holy Spirit's there, it makes a lot of sense. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who changes us. He's the one who changes the, the community and the world around us. You know, that's the most important lesson to, to learn and, and, and experience today is that if you're not saved, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And you can't even talk about gifts because none of this, well, you may have talents, you may have skills, and you may do great things. By the way, there's a lot of churches filled with very skillful people, very talented people who do wonderful things to the world around them, but when God looks and sees it, He says, hey, those are all t- talents and skills. That isn't the gift that I gave you. That isn't because you're not born again. You haven't received the gift. Now maybe he would give that gift and then what would happen? 
But people serve all the time in their own strength and power. And we have to be careful of that. The people who are most at danger of doing that are usually preachers. Usually a preacher will stand up, and there might be people who went through college to be preachers, and they were just really skillful at oration. So that's speaking. So maybe they're really skillful at speaking, and they stand up, and as they speak, people just, oh, that's great. And you know what? Let me give you an example of people who can do that. You ever heard of a fellow by the name of Bill Clinton? That guy, he was he's a good speaker, right? I mean, when you... When you hear, you might know that every word that's coming out of that fellow's mouth might might be incorrect, but you might go, yeah, I'm getting on board too. Because he's a good speaker. And just because we have a skill at something doesn't mean that that's what we are, uh, that we are uh, spiritually gifted in. And you can't have spiritual gifts without having the Holy Spirit. You can't have the Holy Spirit without having salvation. When we get saved, we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And it's not an if you get a spiritual gift. You get the spiritual gift when we receive the Holy Spirit. That's a natural result of becoming a new creature in Christ. We, we, you know, the Bible says that we're a new creation, that we've, uh, the old man has passed away, behold, all things have become new. That's part of that, hey, that's the benefit and the extension of being somebody new is God said, hey, listen, there is, you have, everyone in this room, you have a job. You have more than a job. You have a mission given to you from God. What is that mission? Maybe you know it, maybe you don't, maybe you're not sure. You know that there is something. But God has given everyone in this room something He wants us to accomplish. And He wants us to accomplish it. He gives us the tools to do it. Now, is the Christmas gift still sitting under the tree for you? Is it parked in the garage? Is it still in the box? Is it unused? Did you know it existed? Well, guess what? I'm telling you here. Hey, Merry Christmas. You all have gifts. Jesus Christ has given us gifts through the Holy Spirit. Everyone in this room, and I don't know what they are for you, but in the next couple weeks, we're going to try to identify those. So in the next couple weeks, you're going to receive this seven-page packet. It says, Discover Your Spiritual Gifts. Now, what you need to know about this is it's just a piece of paper and it's just a man's way of trying to help you identify gifts. So when you take this, you just be honest. There's no wrong answers or right answers. And it's a long test. It's about 80 questions. So you're basically you're going to say, huh, I'm not sure if I'm in, willing to invest in that. There's just number one through five. One is not at all characteristic of me, definitely untrue for me. Five is highly characteristic of me, definitely true for me. I'm going to read to you the first ten, just to give you an idea. And you'd put a one through a five, and they're all, you know, so one is no, five is, oh, that's absolutely me, and then different levels in between us. So number one, I have the ability to organize ideas, resources, time, and people effectively. Number two, I'm willing to study and prepare for the task of teaching. Number three, I'm able to relate the truths of God to specific situations. Number four, I have a God-given ability to help others grow in their faith. Number five, I possess a special ability to communicate the truth of salvation. Six, I have the ability to make critical decisions when necessary. Seven, I am sensitive to the hurts of people. Eight, I experience joy in meeting needs through sharing possessions. Nine, I enjoy studying. Ten, I have delivered God's message of warning and judgment. Now, you would just go through one, two, three, four, and five on each of those. Yeah, it's a little bit me, 
I'm sort of in the middle. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely me, or that's absolutely not me. And you go through and do that. Then at the end, there's actually, if, you know, you'll go through and you'll, you'll start tallying up. So if uh, your answer to item number six, you're going to put your score in, item 16, item 27, item 43, and hey, I'm going to help you out. If you're gifted in administration, you'll look at this and you'll probably go, this is awesome. I want to do this. And maybe you want to do everyone else's and we'll let you, for the person who's gifted in hospitality and can't stand organization, maybe we'll let you tally up their test. But you're going to go through and you're going to tally up the test or somebody can help you who's gifted in that area. Not a reason not to do it. And then there's, a, you know, graphing your profile, which you're highest in, leadership, administration, and that sort of thing. So this is just a tool. This is not the gospel. This is the gospel. This is not. Some things you're going to be good at. Some things you're not. Some things you're going to like. Some things you'll be good at but don't like. And you don't feel like you're gifted in them. And maybe you're not. Maybe you are. So we're going to help try to, to, to explain that and get into it and help you delve into it. The most important thing to understand today when you walk away, these great gifts exist. You are gifted. Everyone in this room. And some of you do the very utmost that you can not to use your gift. And I think sometimes it's because we're afraid. If I use my gift, he'll want more from me. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about God. If I use my gift, God will want more from me. God wants the same thing that he's always wanted. God loved you. Graciously, mercifully loved you and sent Christ to die on the cross for you. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, that has made God's heart full of joy. Now he wants to make your heart full of joy. His heart is filled with joy because you've accepted that gift that he's, of His Son that He sent. He's opened up a door to have a great relationship with you. Now He wants you to experience that same joy. And we fight it. Because we think that this is stuff here we're doing is more fun, God. And it might be more entertaining, but it might just be a distraction too. The other day I went to work and I forgot my cell phone. And my cell phone is connected... You guys know this if you've been around me to all my, you know, I get emails all kinds of times of day and night to work, from work and things. And so I actually went to work, but I forgot my cell phone the whole day. And at first I sort of missed it, but then by the end of the day I was like, this wasn't too bad of a day. I went the whole day without the cell phone. I actually enjoyed it for a period of time, not having people be able to get in touch with me. And sometimes the things that we think are most important to us, when really we get down to it, they really cause us a lot of burden. They cause us a lot of stress. They cause us a lot of worrying about because we're worried about what our friends are doing entertainment-wise, whether we're cool or whether we're staying up to date with all the things that are going on in the world. And we worry about a lot of those things when really God has said, hey, I've got a job for you. I've given you the tools to do it. And if you do that, you're I can't even explain to you the joy that you're going to experience. And if you have this Christian life where you struggle and sometimes you feel like, I'm just not sure what I'm supposed to do. And I've heard this before, by the way. I've felt it before myself. But if you have the kind of Christian life that you're like, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know where to serve. Then you need to understand what your spiritual gift is. And you need to begin to exercise it. And then we'll talk a little bit in some of the future weeks about how that those things get exercised within ministries and churches and then, you know, 
outside of that and how that all works. So there's a lot of stuff that we're going to go over the next couple of weeks. I can guarantee you that this will be useful for you, um, but you have to be here in order for it to be useful for you. So hopefully um, you'll stay involved if you want to learn more about it. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Most important thing, though, you've got to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, there is no spiritual gift for you. It's a giftless Christmas. And really, when you think about it, it's a Christless Christmas, just like the rest of the world has, because that's the ultimate gift. Jesus Christ gave himself so he could give to us. Awesome news. Great gifts. I'm looking forward to it. Let's go ahead and close in word prayer. Lord, we know that today was a message more of teaching than preaching necessarily, Lord. But this is what we're called to do. We're called to exhort and build up this church, these people. Called to edify, not destroy. I just pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us use our gifts to edify and build. Lord, I do hope if there's anyone here that's not saved, that they get saved, Lord. And you know, we've preached that message many times. And Lord, we know that there's folks who maybe aren't sure and need to be saved. Just pray that you'd let them find peace and comfort and salvation, Lord. Pray that you'd help us to to help them in any way that we can to understand that. But ultimately, we know, dear Lord, that it's complete and total faith in Jesus Christ and putting our faith in Him in the finished work of the cross. Lord, You are salvation. I pray, dear Lord, that anyone who's not saved, they'd be saved. I pray, dear Lord, for the Christians here who say, maybe I'm not sure what I'm you know, supposed to do. Maybe I'm not sure what my gifts are. I just pray, Lord, that You'd help my teaching to be clear and concise and that it would be useful for folks. And just pray that You'd use Your Word, dear Lord, to build us up and to move us forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.